when you get a no for whatever reason, even if it's for a good reason, like I love it, but I'm out of the country, I leave in four days, there's no way I can do my due diligence. Now, I'm an optimistic and I'm a positive person. So again, I'm keeping in the back of my mind the whole time, Dino, you are bringing people money. There is someone who wants you to bring them money. And when I say that, what I ultimately mean is I'm giving them a home for their money to go to work and sweat for them. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to That Really Happened. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to rate us. I'm going to be very appreciative if you can just leave us hopefully five-star rating and, and also reviews. That will be very, very welcome. Thank you so much. So our guest today is Dino Pierce. Dino is the CEO of Edified Equity and an active multifamily investor. He comes from a family of entrepreneurs and has been a part of numerous profitable residential and multifamily real estate investment acquisitions. He has been a multifamily expert speaker for Bigger Pockets has an award-winning blog featured on Bigger Pockets, is the host of the purely educational Facebook group, Multifamily Passive Equity Owners and Investors, Benefits of a Passive Owner, and a host of the Edified Equity Podcast. Today's story is about persistence. Dino would walk us through one of his multifamily deals and the hurdles he had encountered while he was raising money. Hey, Dino, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to, to be on the show. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Dino and I have been knowing, how long have we, when did we met? About a year and a half ago, I want to say? Yeah, I would say between a year and a half to two years, somewhere in that time frame. Yes. Yeah. And I just uh, saw Dino in Denver. We went to the Best Ever Conference and explored the snow together, which is uh, kind of exciting for me <laughs> from time to time. So it was uh, great to, to connect with him. And we kind of chatted also about today's episode. So I'm really excited to to listen to your story. Um, so let's, um, let's kind of start from the beginning. Can you give us a little bit of a background about this deal that you're, you know, involved with the deal that you're leading and, and what's happening? Sure. So it's a, you know, as we expected uh, with our conservative underwriting, the deal is going actually performing phenomenally. We underwrite very conservatively. When we underwrite, we pretend like the taxes are going to rise more than they actually do. We're going to take three years to get to the market rent today, you know, of our comparable market rents. We stress the vacancy. So we want to pretend, you know, if it's if it's actually 5% vacant, we're going to underwrite 10 or more. So, you know, even with all of those underwriting, we knew all of the conservative underwriting, we knew that it was going to be 
a really good deal and you know it is performing very well and we focus in the the southern part of the united states where we can still pick up we look for a value add with an upside uh, combination and this falls in alignment with with the other projects that we've done so we were excited to find it it was a pocket listing from a broker that we have a very good relationship which is how we we source most of our deals from broker relationships or our property management company kind of putting a little bug in our ear saying, hey, so-and-so mm -hmm. down the street is going to sell. They said you should talk, things like that. So very similar beginning. And we were excited going through all of the underwriting. And we had actually said, wow, this is going to be one of those, you know, it's going to be a hard and fast and quick equity raise because of this opportunity. And that was the expectations going in. I can tell you that. And we talked about it earlier. It, it always seems like capital raise for some people, it's really easy. You snap your fingers and there you go. You have all the capital lined up, just knocking on your door, waiting, begging to be, you know, part of the deal. So, so you get, you get into this deal. It's a multifamily deal. Everything looks great. Underwriting looks good. It's very conservatively underwritten and you're excited about it. So you basically, you start reaching out to your investors and you start giving them some information about the deal and start raising money. Walk me through that process. Tell me a bit about, about what happened there. Yeah. So my process with every opportunity, and that's a key word I want people, if you're listening today and part of your role on the syndication team is investor relations, offering equity opportunity, um, I'll tell you basically how I because that is one of my roles. I also underwrite, I analyze markets, help out with maybe with the property management, but one of the main roles is investor relations and offering equity opportunity. So that's a word you'll hear me say several times today probably is offering an opportunity because that's really when I'm on the phone or when I'm in a meeting or where we're doing a FaceTime, Skype, whatever it is with the potential investor, I position myself and in my mind, I'm not asking you for money. Uh, no, ma'am, no, sir. I am bringing you money through this opportunity to partner. So when you have something good like that and you're helping people find a home for their capital so that it gives them cash flow, tax benefits, profit sharing at sale and refinance and all the good things, first of all, it just gives you a different posture when you're talking to people. But that is, if you right. believe in your deal, that is what you're doing. You are not asking right. somebody, you're giving them a chance to partner. Mm -hmm. So nothing different there. And I had actually, my process goes like this. We put together the deal package with subscription, PPM, the whole nine yards. And we send out through our email service that we use, we send everything out to the investor. They then look at it. What I normally do is because we are busy people, no matter in today's world, I mean, email is so noisy. It is just, and then you have social media on top of it. You have your life, you have your business or multiple businesses. What I like to do is give them 24, maybe 48 hours, maybe 72, depends on what feedback is coming uh, back from the initial email. And then I follow up with a personal, I don't use a system for this. This is me actually, text messaging. Or even better than that, if I have the time, I will actually pick up the phone and start calling people because nothing is better. And what I find is seven times out of 10, 
I get a text back or on the phone, they say, thank you for the text or for the call. I didn't see the email. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah, simply, that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is simply because it's so noisy. So most of the people haven't even opened it again because we're so busy. Now, remember, I'm bringing him, them, I'm bringing them this in my, in my eyes, this golden opportunity that I really want them to see. So, so far, everything is the same. One thing that is a little different that we weren't expecting, because this is, you know, this is a little further back along the lines when we first started in the business, we weren't expecting people to also be so distracted during the holiday season and the end of the year. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because the opportunity was so bright and it was, even with the conservative stress test, it still made sense all day long. We said, it doesn't matter. Actually, maybe people are going to have more time to look at it. And it wasn't the case. Yeah, I, I can tell you that every, by the end of every year, I, every year I actually take a 10-day ski trip, seven to 10 days, and became kind of a regular thing that we do. So if, if I were on your list as a limited partner, and I, I got this email, I would probably not have the right time, you know, in between the, you know, black diamonds and, and blue squares to kind of look into that. It's, it's a very, very tough time. And then it's, it's interesting because at the, also at the beginning of the year, I find that actually many people are interested in investing because a lot of them got their bonuses, the end of year bonuses. So they have more money to invest. So it's kind of an interesting timing. So you, you basically, you had this deal, you reached out to people. What was the response, you know, from you? And I think this is an interesting story because it's, it, it kind of opens the door for passive investors to understand how it really, how it really is to raise money, how it's like to be in that position from the sponsor's point of view. So you started reaching out to people. What was the response? I mean, how, how did you feel about that? So we still, at this point, um, we knew the one thing that was solid throughout beginning to end is that we knew we really had a great opportunity and it was a matter of being resourceful enough to find the right person through the season, through all of the hurdles that would ultimately come our way. But initially met with an investor who said, okay, I see the deal. I like the deal. I want to do a little more due diligence. They One thing we had going for them is they knew the market because they already owned in the market. That was a huge plus, but they had yet to do a deal with us. So they want to do research, of course, on the team, which is a very smart move. Yeah. And they let, yes. And they let me know, um, we will not, however, write a check for under a million dollars. So I was oh. happy with that <laughs> because... <laughs> I actually needed about $2 million. So I was like, wow, we're halfway there because they can do all the due diligence they want on us and they're not going to find, I wasn't nervous about that. I was like, fine, I understand it. Go for it. Let us know what you need. Another investor, unfortunately, was really liked the deal. However, didn't know the area, was comfortable with us, but at the same time was involved in, um, it was actually about a $40 million deal that was just eating up their time on top of the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Then I have um, two gentlemen who are high net worth individuals, multiple business owners, as well as passive in, you know, equity partners in syndications. They'll do retail multifamily. They really, I got on the phone with them and they, they were like, we love it. They're like, we love everything about the deal, but 
we leave in three days and we're going to be out of the country for a month. Oh. <laughs> so we can't do our due diligence. And part of our rule, part of our, not us, I'm speaking for them. Part of our rule is even though, you know, we have Google Earth and you send us a nice deal deck with pictures and videos and all this stuff, you know, it might sound silly to you, but we have to actually fly out there and see they it. They want to walk it. Yeah. 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 And it's not even... It's not even to the point where they want to walk units. It's almost like we just want to drive the area and get a feel. Is it really, you know, a solid B class, A minus, whatever? Is it really that to us when we get there? So again, I'm like, wow. So I'm getting these good signals, but all these little blocks are kind of coming my way. And then of course I have another, uh, this comes from a family office because I have family office connections as well. And they said, same thing. We really love it. The returns are right where we need to be in order to be involved. Again, similar situation where we really want to write checks for a million and up. However, um, we see this as a secondary market. We want to be, you know, in major markets. So initially, the, the what I was hearing was we all like it. One wants to do studies on us. The others had their own reasons for saying, but. So... Those were some, you know, what I call, no, again, when, and I don't like to, they, they are equity partners, they're true partners, but I like to say I have about 200 potential relationships today. Uh, back then it would have been a little smaller, but still it was pretty sizable. So I wasn't giving up. It was time for me to continue to sift through the haystack and find that needle, find that diamond in the rough that's going to say, I see what you're seeing too, and I'm going to give it time of day in order to analyze everything and join you. And how, how does it feel to have all those great connections and they're all excited about the deal and they say, but they're not saying we're not, we don't really like the deal because, so -so, because of this and that, but isn't that, I mean, I, I think in, in your shoes, I would probably be, I don't know, a little bit discouraged because, oh my God, I have all those connections and they can write a huge check, but it doesn't work out. And, and it looks like maybe could have, maybe there's something that I can do. Well, maybe I can fly them over, you know, overnight and write them a check or reimburse them for the flight or do something. Uh, so how does it feel to be in that position? Every this happens every time we offer equity positions to our partners and that we have relationships with. Mm -hmm. When you get a no for whatever reason, even if it's for a good reason, like I love it, but I'm out of the country, I leave in four days, there's no way I can do my due diligence. You know, I just can't. Now, I'm a, an optimistic and I'm a positive person, so again, I'm keeping in the back of my mind the whole time, Dino, you are bringing people money. There is someone who wants you to bring them money. And when I say that, what I ultimately mean is I'm giving them a home for their money to go to work and sweat for them. Right. And so I just stay positive because the minute I switch from I'm the opportunity provider to I'm the needy guy who needs to close is the minute I feel that I'm going to start to lose the battle, so to speak. So I'm stay ultimately, I have the right self-talk. And there's, I just have some obstacles that I need to overcome. Realizing that, and I always tell myself this, always, I'm like, if they're half as busy, not as busy, they just have to be half as busy as you are, meaning me, I get it. They've got kids. They're running multiple businesses. They're getting deals thrown at them maybe left and right. How can you stand out and be the one that they're going to give the time and attention to? What can you do?
And that's where I'm sitting at at this point. So what we thought, you know, ultimately was going to be quick. We see initially there's going to be some uh, roadblocks. Now, don't forget, though, these are people who have, you know, the power of a pin to write. They all want a million plus or they can maybe they can even take up the entire um, equity portion. So what I do is I work everyone and I give everyone the same opportunity. So I start working with my, because the minimum was 50,000, five zero. Mm -hmm. I start working my text and my phone to those connections because they are people who maybe they can write giant checks, but they don't want to. They like to diversify across several deals or they just did a really good job at saving up or they have a self-directed IRA, 401k, and they have money to put to work also. So I started same thing down the line with them. And it wasn't even in a preferential treatment. It was uh, just talking about the bigger people first because we had the first communication. They started, again, same thing. Oh, thanks for the email. Thanks. I'm sorry. Thanks for the text. Thanks for the call. I didn't see it. I'm going to check it out and get back to you. I'm good at keeping track. I have a spreadsheet. So if it's Ellie, I'll say, Ellie said she's going to get back to me in 48 hours. In 48 hours, if I don't hear from Ellie, again, I'm the opportunity guy. I don't want you to miss out from this opportunity. I will touch base with you. And sometimes I'll even ask, okay, if I don't hear from you in 48, is it okay to follow up? If they say yes, they are going to get a follow-up call from me. So that is, um, that is what I started doing. And again, keeping in mind the phone isn't a cactus. You have an opportunity. You're coming to them with a solution for their problem. Keep offering it. And that's what I did. And we started slowly but surely getting some buy-ins. First, mm -hmm. kind of fast-forwarding. So let me back up. First, we field questions because, as you know, because we're in the same business, as you know, even your best investors are going to try to poke holes and make sure that you did your due diligence. Of course, so yeah. We start asking, so, well, how did you come up with these rents? Well, why? And then on, sometimes on the op opposite spectrum, they're like, well, why is it going to take us three years to get to market? when the one across the street is getting that today. So then we remind them, no, no, no. This is just our conservative projections, but we're gonna be aggressive in the management. And of course, if we can do it in a year or a year and a half, we will. So we start fielding all the questions. Let me see the T12, let me underwrite it behind you. So this is the kind of stage we're in. And slowly but surely, we start getting subscriptions. We start getting, we have escrow open. We start getting funds are coming into escrow because we waited. We, again, we said this is going to be a hard and fast equity partnership raise. And what we're going to do is when we send it out, we're going to send the packet. They're going to have the PPM. They're going to have the subscription agreement. Once we get their buy-in, we're going to verbally give them the wire instructions. But we were, I mean, we were prepared. We were ready to go. So back to the, I'm taking the one-offs and we're slowly but surely, um, we're raising the equity and what we needed. But now it's getting, we fast forward a little bit, it is getting uh, down to the wire and we are just short of what we need in order to close. I would say we're, we are about, now this is not for the full equity raise, but we're about $600,000 short of what we need to close mm -hmm. and closing is coming up within two weeks.
how does it feel to that you know that you actually need 300 600k and you only have 14 days right and including the weekends where people don't really you know they don't really have time to spend on reading uh ppms and and wiring money Mm -hmm. So how it feels is, yeah. I mean, it's okay to have, we're human, you can have those emotions, but it's kind of a little bit confusing. You're like, am I not being resourceful enough? Is it the time of year? What is wrong? Because when we look at it every which way, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's, it's okay to have those feelings and kind of question, what can we do better? How can I learn from this situation? But at the same time, we need to focus on pressing forward and saying, okay, so what can we do without being pesty? Unless an investor has told me no, for whatever reason, I'm deployed, it's the holiday season, um, I don't like that market, for whatever it is, you know, I used to live there, I would never invest, whatever, whatever, every, everyone has their own reasons. Unless they said no, I circled back yet again. And in the form of, we had received at this point, we had received some really good news from our third party appraiser, the PCA, everything came back, environmental. I mean, we, we were ready to, we were close to closing and we had some good news. Number one, it appraised for over the purchase price. That's a great selling great point. Great news, yeah. yeah. Number two, our appraiser said, you guys are being way too conservative. The taxes are actually gonna do this. Instead of three years, you're gonna be able to do this in one year as far as the rent. And, and by the way, when we went through the inspection third part, we didn't find, there was very little, if any, deferred maintenance. Like there were no surprises. Mm -hmm. So we took that information and we went back to our investors, the, one who, the ones who said, I'm, they, they either were non-responsive or they were still hemming and hawing. And we said, we've got some good news. And, you know, we've currently raised, we have 1.4. We're looking for an additional six. Let them know where, what the gap was and said um, all the good news about the appraisal. They said, we're being way too conservative. So even if we went and, and the appraiser said, and I'm being conservative as well, like you actually can outperform what I'm telling you. We said, now the returns are even better than, and we're still on the conservative side and we explained how. So we're, we're just proving to them we were ultra conservative. Still with this conservative view, it's making even more sense. And we have someone, mm -hmm. this is third party. They have no vested interest in this. Oh, yeah. They're just offering, you know, some experience to us in the market so we go back and we circle back again with the email i follow up with the text and or the phone call i'm doing everything possible with who's remaining so what happens is initially when we started i said we had one investor who was like i like it i know the market we own in the market however um, i need to study you guys they came back and said we like you <laughs> we would do business with you where do we send a million dollars? Well, we don't have a million dollars. Wow. <laughs> and they, we don't have a million in equity to offer. And they were firm on that rule. They would not bend. We said, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, because we, at first we're like, problem solved. But they were not. So they, they, they basically said, either you take our million dollars or we're out. And so we had, now this... It only, it only came into our mind, not as a true potential, but when you think, you try to think outside the box. So what can we do? 
So one option that was never a choice, never even a thought, like I said, was to kick people out of the deal so that we can take the million and get it done. But we did not want to do that yeah, to the of people not. that were loyal to us mm-hmm. and that had already wired and subscribed. We would never do that. We would rather keep fighting and find the right partners than do that. So we didn't take them up on the offer. And we said, maybe we can partner on something in the future. We understand you have your rules. Here's who we are as a group and why we are not willing to. And they didn't suggest kick people out either. I don't want to, they're not giving them a bad name, but they just were not willing to budge on that. We did all this work. It's going to like, it's got to be at least a million for it to be worth our time and partner with you, you know, on this, the next six, seven years, whatever the business plan is. There was another group and I told you they were looking at a a larger deal. Well, first, even before I got to them, I went back to the two gentlemen who were now back in the country. Mm -hmm. I said, remember this deal you really loved? Well, you know, we didn't expect this, but during the holiday season, we have, have some time to close. We're getting close to having enough money to close, but we still need, you know, another 600,000. And they said, wow, I wish we would have known earlier because now our pipeline is full and we, you know, with the closing doing this, even with the, even if we can get an extension, they just were kind of like, no, we've already started looking at something else. We still like that deal. We believe in it, but you know, bring us something else. So again, I'm like, okay, keep being persistent. You know, whatever you do, don't give up. Now, all the while we have people wiring 50, 75, a hundred thousand. So the gap is slowly, but surely closing and we're feeling better we even get to the point where we feel we feel that freddie is going to let us close that's how freddie's the lender yeah yes freddie so they're going to let us close we're close enough we can continue to raise afterwards well the gentleman in the group that was working on the 40 million dollar deal it actually fell through so i went Mm. back to them and i said I talked to you about, I talked to you about this opportunity. So by the way, 90 days ago, what we thought was going to be a fast and done deal turned out to be a 90 day show of persistence. And I went back to him and I said, you like this, but you were tied up with this $40 million deal. You told me it fell through. I'm circling back to you. And he says, what do you need? We will, we will revisit it. So I told him, and at that time we needed, it was a little over 400,000 to be done, not just to have enough close. We had 400,000 to close. Long story short, he revisits the opportunity, pokes holes, does more analysis on us, Mm -hmm. ends up coming in ultimately as a partner. We get the deal done. And now that the deal is performing and doing really well, you know, he confides and says, I wish 90 days ago, or actually it's longer than that at, at this point in time, but I really wish I would have taken up the full 2 million when you first brought it to me. Wow. <laughs> that probably was music to your ears, right? It was definitely music to my ears because he confirmed what we knew all along mm-hmm. was the fact that we really did have an opportunity. We were just fighting or we were just up against circumstances that we we just did not foresee. Being out of the country, I'm tied up with a $40 million deal. I will only write a check for a million. It's a secondary market. It's the holiday season. I'm out of the country. All these things 
or just roadblocks that you don't know until you go and offer the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a story. It's a true story of persistence. It's very easy to get demoralized and, and to let, you know, all the circumstances kind of get to you. But if you keep persistent, if you keep staying on track, and you were also talking about being in the right, in a right mindset. And, you know, I think that, that was extremely helpful for you, probably, you know, in, in dealing with everything that that was happening. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. What would you say to someone who's um, starting or kind of either starting in syndication or starting syndicating or in the middle of a raise right now and is kind of in similar position where, you know, they, they have a short amount of time to raise money and it, it doesn't it doesn't look like the money is coming. Yeah, I would say the one thing that, that just going back to this deal, but also talking to that person, mm -hmm. the one thing that I did every time we hit a roadblock or got a no for whatever reason, because of course, having, you know, let's say 150 relationships at that time, not where I am now, where it's a little north of 200, there, there's a, there was a lot of, first of all, there was a lot of conversation mm -hmm. that I spent time and energy on that went nowhere because ultimately it was a no or show me the next one or I'm going to be liquid in three months. There was all these things. So I bypassed that. But every time we didn't get a yes after answering the questions, I just kept telling myself, you need to think outside of the box. What didn't you say? Why is it make so much sense to you and your team, but you're not getting that quick jump in like you, you expected. So first of all, always think outside the box and then move like most people. If you didn't have the wherewithal and the persistence and the, the last person standing mentality, most people may not have circled back to the out of the country group, the $40 million group. They would have said, well, they already said no, but at this mm -hmm. point we still believed and still to this day, and like I say, it's performing in the opportunity. And they really hadn't said no. They just had an objection that maybe wasn't still standing three months later because it was a it was a bit of a time period, you know, from the day we started, from the time that we closed on it. And the other reason I wanted to say for people raising capital right now or thinking about becoming an invest, getting involved in investor relations and syndication is, so we talked about this. You hear stories of people saying, we needed to raise $3 million. We sent a text and in 48 hours, we were mm -hmm. oversubscribed. Yeah. So what, what that person may have neglected to say is, uh, and I've been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> and exactly. they, they would rewind they would be telling a story maybe similar today. Mm -hmm. It took them 10 years to send a text message and, and get funded in two days. That's absolutely right. No, nobody just starts, you know, from scratch and then sends text messages and get funded overnight. That doesn't happen. It's a, a period of time where you form relationships, you have deals, you perform, you prove yourself. And then after you do all that and that takes years, then you can actually send a text message and get funded right away. 
That's ab- absolutely right. Well, thank you so much, Dino, for sharing, you know, your story with us about, you know, being persistent and, and, you know, using your mindset to help you raise equity and think outside of the box and actually go back to those who said no, because I think 99% of syndicators and investors would not revisit, you know, those investors and, and revisit that opportunity to present uh, the deal to them after they they heard no. So thank you so much for that. That was I think a very good story. Also showed passive investors kind of how it really is, how it's like to raise money and to be on the other side of the spectrum. So before we finish our show today, I wanted to ask what I ask all my guests, which is what would you tell your 20 year old self? Just real quick to tie back to the, uh, before I do the 20-year-old self, the person getting involved in, in capital raising or uh, investor relations is no one can do your capital raising push-ups for you. There's going right. to be a few people who just had a network of relationships that were ultra wealthy. For whatever reason, it wasn't an issue for them. But for the most part, be prepared for this because it's going to happen and enjoy the journey. Again, no one can do your capital raising push-ups for you. You don't want to be a pest, but it, when you can circle back, and still present this as a win-win, which is what we did. And we were able to do that person who came in and tied up that last 400,000 are very glad. If anything, they're regretful. They don't have it all. So mm-hmm. just remember that. So my 20-year-old self, I would go back and say at 20 years old, I would say, get involved, learn the business of multifamily syndication, find a team that you like, that you believe in, that you know is very credible, and they know the business inside and out work really hard to add value to their existing operation because this is a team sport and add value to them. Even Dino, 20-year-old Dino, even if that means working for free, like I'm saying, or a small piece of equity, you need to find a way to get your foot in the door. And the best way to do it in this business is to align yourself with a team that's already uh, has an established operation. So whether that's you bringing your network of relationships, whether that's you bringing them a true deal, not deal flow or something that someone sent you and say, what do you think about this? That's not adding value. So don't, don't come and say to them, I have time, be specific, say, this is what I can do and let me do it. And I'm not, I'm not asking for money. The worst thing I think you can do, in my opinion, everybody has, yes, we have that. You have to have value on yourself and your services, but when you're starting out, you're on the other end, you're trying to earn your position on the team. So for me, it's show them that you can grind, show them that you're serious about it, add value in a specific way, let them know what you can do and then do it. That's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So where can our listeners find you, Dino? I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm very active on social media. I'm active on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can look me up there, send me a direct message, or you can you know, Google Dino Edified Equity. It'll take you to the website. You can contact me there as well. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Dino. That was a pleasure to seeing you again, three, four days after I actually saw you in Denver. So thank you so much again. Looking forward to keep the conversation going about investing and multifamily and syndication. And we always do. So I'm I'm probably going to, you know, talk with you very soon. Uh, Certainly. Thanks for having me. It was great seeing you again as well. And thanks for the opportunity.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.